This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Some of you here today, I know that probably that gift of evangelism is in your life. And it's a blessing to me as a pastor to hear how and when you've shared with others the reality of Christ, the hope of the gospel, and knowing that others have come to faith and what a blessing that is. And to see the results of that faithfulness that's displayed in people by gaining a saving knowledge of Christ, the gift of evangelism. But not everyone has that gift. In our lesson today, we'll be reminded that we're here on this earth for a reason. We've been given a purpose. We're called to proclaim the truth of God's Word. But what we must understand is that this is supposed to be a work of our Heavenly Father. It's not us working in our own strength. It's actually Him working in and through us. But that requires us dying to our own agendas, goals, opinions, and ideas. It means that we submit to our Father and allow Him to lead us in His ministry. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, with our continuing study entitled, Preparation for Mission. The Bible is our sole authority. It's not what comes out of Costa Mesa or Nashville or wherever you want to call wherever, you know, the any kind of authority is. Study the Word, but there's nowhere that I find in the Word of God, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, what we read today as a missionary. The word missionary is not found in there. And yet I see the very definition of and the acts of what is called apostle as being what we call missionaries. Now study that. Look at it. Don't take my word for it. But unfortunately, I believe that it's due to the fear that we have of calling someone an apostle that the modern church has done away with that term, and we've invented a new term that we call a missionary. We're afraid to say that he's an apostle. We sent him out to begin this work because suddenly everybody thinks, whoa, whoa, he, no, he's not one of the twelve. Well, there were more than the twelve. There were others that did other works. So we need to, again, keep it real, keep it within the word. Now, these that we send out as missionaries, again, uh, sent out with a commission from the church, these aren't the ones with unquestionable authority. They're the ones who have been sent out. There is an argument by those who are called cessationists that once the foundation was laid, there was no longer any need for the apostles. And I would agree in one sense of the word that the office of apostle could have possibly Ceased. And again, strong emphasis on my part on could have. This is not a hill that I'm particularly going to die on, on whether or not that particular office of apostle has ceased. However, I firmly believe that the gift of apostle remains. The great fear that we have or the great check on all of this is when somebody comes into our, our midst and says, Good morning, I am Apostle so-and-so, and here's my card, and here's my authority, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to straighten up things for you. No, I, I don't see where the Word of God speaks of that. I've seen in the history of the time that we've been in Casa Grande, now for uh, 21, going on 22 years, 
at least two men that have come into our community that have declared themselves an apostle to the city of Casa Grande. And I'm looking at them, I don't know you, you're not, you're not, I don't know who you are or why you are. Who gave you that name? Who gave you that authority? Who sent you? You're not any authority, you're not any place to me. So because of those kinds of fears, we've done away with what I believe is a real and true and valid gift. We simply call them missionaries. There's, again, multiple arguments that can be stated on the subject by both those who are cessationists as well as those that believe that the gift is still valid. The one thing we need to ask ourselves in all honesty is, does the Bible tell us how long these gifts or these callings are to be in use? Is there a clear place within the Word of God that says when these gifts cease, when they are no longer valid? Some really stretch the point in one particular verse. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to drop down to verse 9. Paul writing here, and it's interesting to me, it's always been amazing that chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians comes right in the middle of chapter 12 and chapter 14. Right there in the middle is chapter 13. And right in the middle of chapter 13, as Paul is speaking not only about the gifts in chapter 12, but also the use of the gifts in chapter 14, we have chapter 13. And right here in chapter 13, beginning in verse 9, Paul writes these words. He says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, many of those who are cessations, they declare that since we have the canon of the scriptures, we've got all 66 books of the Bible here, it's now complete, then that which is perfect has come. And we don't need these other gifts. We don't need the apostles. We don't need the the prophets. But to me, again, in the simplicity of my own mind, all I do is, is look down a couple of more verses still in 1 Corinthians 13. Just look down a couple of verses, and suddenly you clearly see what this perfect is that Paul is speaking about. It was in reference, I believe, to what he speaks in verse 12. He says, right now we see in a mirror, kind of like what he says up in verse 9. Right now we know in part and we prophesy in part. In verse 12 he says, right now we see in a mirror. We see dimly, but then face to face. Beloved, does it mean that when we got the Bible that now we see Jesus face to face? No. I believe very clearly that what he's speaking about when he says face-to-face, he means, I know it's odd, but I believe that he means face-to-face when we're going to stand before him. And the reason I say that is because of what he follows. He says, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I really don't believe the text of 1 Corinthians tells us in any way that the gifts are done away with. And yet, for many years of my life, I sat under that teaching and under that kind of understanding. But there is other places. And if we look and we find a place, it's better, again, in the context of the Scripture, speaking particularly about the gifts, where we can see any kind of a time frame as far as their existence. I believe that there is. And I believe we go back to Ephesians 4, where we were just a moment ago. I believe that it tells us very plainly about the length of time for the existence of these gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, Let's start at verse 11 again, give you a running start again to take it into the context of what he's speaking. 
Ephesians 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints of the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How long are those gifts going to be necessary for the equipping and for the preparation of the body of Christ? Until we come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I've looked around. I don't think we're there yet. I think that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. I don't think that the project is finished. I definitely wouldn't want the final inspection being done. We're not all to the unity of the faith. We're not all to that knowledge of the Son of God. We've not all arrived at a place of full maturity in our relationship with Christ. And I believe that the need for these gifts to the church is still with us today. We still need to send missionaries out. We still need to send people out to commission people with the word of God. We still need to have men and women and couples go and serve the Lord in areas. Sometimes they're remote areas on the other side of the globe. Sometimes it's simply down the highway to the next city and again, proclaiming the message of Christ. We also, in the midst of all of this, in our questioning of how and when these gifts either continue or cease, we need to ask ourselves honestly, why, who, or how we pick which gifts are no longer valid and which ones we still need today. Do we say that this one or that one is no longer valid because that gift just... Ooh, I get, I, it just makes me uncomfortable when somebody is working in that gift. Certainly that can't be valid because I'm not comfortable in that gift. Is that a valid reason to say that gift is no longer valid? Or does it simply say that I'm being stretched here? I'm not used to this. How about this gift or, or that gift? I know that this is no longer valid because it's misused all the time. Every time that I've ever seen it, it's been misused. Let me ask you, have you been everywhere? The answer, of course, is no. Does misuse of a particular gift invalidate the reality of the gift? Beloved, it can't. Otherwise, misuse of a multiple of things would invalidate a whole lot of things. You see, the argument isn't valid because of misuse that we do away with the gift. Neither is the argument that whether it be misuse or lack of understanding, because they had the very same problems in the early church. There were times that they didn't know how to use a particular gift. There were times that there was great misuse of gifts. They had that right off at the beginning. And so what did they do? Well, we're just going to shut the whole thing down. No, they instructed the church on how to work and how to move in those gifts. Let's move on with the expectation that the Lord still has something here for us to be able to receive, something to be able to understand as we even look at these other gifts. The next gift that he speaks here in Ephesians 4 is the gift of, again, with a lot of misunderstanding, and that's the gift of prophecy. 
And let's face it, when somebody, you know, throws out the word prophet, we conjure up this idea of somebody that's predicting future events. We see this in a lot of the Old Testament prophets. We even see in New Testament prophets ones that are predicting future events. There was one who came and and spoke about the famine that was going to happen in Jerusalem. There was another that came to Paul and says, Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. So we do have that as part of the gift. We also even see in today's society, All you have to do is stand in line at the grocery store, and you can read the gossip magazines of all the prophets that are speaking out there. We have misuses. We have false prophets. But this isn't really the fullness of the gift of prophets. Again, the definition of the word simply means one who tells forth or an inspired speaker. Not as much a fortune teller as one who tells forth the word of God. In the biblical context, We need to understand it's the one who, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, proclaims the message, the mind, the very heart of God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul ties in the gift of prophecy with an understanding of the mysteries of the gospel and the knowledge of God's will and word. In 1 Corinthians, still, if you're still there or can go back there, in 1 Corinthians 13.2, Paul says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, he goes on to say, And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I don't have love, he says, I'm, I'm nothing. A little bit later in 1 Corinthians, over in chapter 14, verse 3, he writes, But he who prophesies, let him speak for edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. From just these two verses, we see that, that Paul's understanding of that gift of prophecy was includes this edification, this encouragement, this consultation or comfort toward people. And beloved, I've got to be honest with you, I, I see this gift in action many, many times throughout the body of Christ, as individual members just minister to one another. And it's not that we come up to each other and say, excuse me, brother, I've got a gift of prophecy, let me help you out here. <laughs> I see what happens is, is Situations arise in lives and as we communicate with each other. Suddenly one of you are speaking just the words of God and edifying and encouraging someone. You're bringing the word of God to bring comfort to someone. And when I look at what Paul says about it, is that no less the reality of the gift of prophecy? That's not what we see in totality of what he's speaking here in Ephesians 4, but it is a part of that. The work of of prophecy for the fullness of the body is to edify the whole body, to encourage and challenge the whole body, to bring comfort to the whole body. But on an individual basis, that ministry, that gift is also used without any fanfare, without self-promotion, but simply allowing the Lord to use them to be an encouragement to one another through the Word of God. And as Paul explained... Prophecy and all of the gifts need to come from and with this heart of love. Otherwise, they're of absolutely no value. And yes, there were in the early church, just as there are today, a multitude of false prophets. 
Those individuals who, who come into the church, they declare that they have the word of the Lord, and yet they lead people astray. The Apostle John, in his short epistle, gives us great warnings about these individuals. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John writes, Beloved, don't believe every spirit. In other words, just because somebody comes in and claims that they are or have or do something, hey, put on the radar. Check it out. He says, test the spirits. He says to test the spirit, whether they are from God. How in the world do I test the spirit? You've got a great manual right here to test the spirit, to see if what they're saying is according to the word. Oh, but I don't know enough of the word. Whose fault is that? Okay, how am I going to test unless I know the truth, unless I have the balance of the truth? How am I going to test? Well, I get this feeling. It might have been the pizza you had last night. So it's the word of God that's the authority. He said, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And beloved, just because there are false prophets... Does that negate the reality of the true gift of prophecy? No. Let's move on. The third one he's got here is evangelists. Now, the great thing about evangelists, there's, there's probably absolutely no conflict. There's absolutely no question as far as the validity of the need and of the purpose and of the place for evangelism today. And again, that comes back to that question. Well, which ones do we say we don't need anymore? Which ones do we say we still need? And who makes that call and why? I see evangelism as, again, that that is absolutely necessary. We need that. We use that. Evangelist, in essence, the, the meaning of it is the bearer of good news, the bearer of the gospel. And all of us, though, as believers, every one of us as believers, we need to be able to know how to share the reality of the hope that's within us. The reality of our salvation experience. The truth of the gospel message. Every one of us. We can say, yes, I'm saved, but what happens when somebody asks me, well, what does that mean, you're saved? What does it mean when I hear people say, you need Christ in your life? Can you give a simple, straightforward explanation of that? That's part of your responsibility in your growth in Christ, to be able to have that ability that when the Lord suddenly places before you this great opportunity, excuse me, sir, what must I do to be saved? Uh, let me call my pastor. Hold on a second. Or can you simply give the reality of what that means? We need to be that way. We need to be prepared for the mission, for the task, for the job that's before all of us. Yet in the midst of that, there is also those who have this particular gift of evangelism. And that's different. I have seen people who are so, man, flowing in their presentation of the gospel and it seems like, man, just as they speak, there is, man, suddenly people are just drawn right to Christ. This guy can be reading the grocery list or whatever, and suddenly, man, they are drawn into it. And he shares one or two verses, or she shares the reality of Christ, and, and people are just, man, drawn right to Christ. That is a gifting of evangelism. That's separate, that's different than what the responsibility that all of us need to have reason for the hope that's within us. 
That is a gift that the Lord gives. We read of men like D.L. Moody, uh, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, and a host of others who had this gifting of evangelism that would speak to hundreds of thousands of people, call for an altar call, and literally you don't want to stand in the way because people would come down in droves to receive Christ because of the gift of evangelism of those individuals. That gift is still needed. It's still necessary today. But you and I need to understand that it's, it's not just these big names that are going to be standing for all eternity. It's the faithful names. It's the faithful names to do what's before you, to do the job, to do the task that's set before you. Some of you here today, I know that probably that gift of evangelism is in your life. And it's a blessing to me as a pastor to hear of how and when you've shared with others the reality of Christ, the hope of the gospel, and knowing that others have come to faith. And what a blessing that is. And to see the results of that faithfulness that's displayed in people by gaining a saving knowledge of Christ. The gift of evangelism. But not everyone has that gift. There was a Sunday school teacher back in the 1800s by the name of Edward Kimball. The Sunday school teacher was responsible for young men in his Sunday school class. And one of the young men in his Sunday school class was an 18-year-old guy by the name of D.L. Moody. Because of Kimball's love for the Lord, not necessarily because he had a gift for evangelism, but because of his love for the Lord, he had a passion and a compassion for this young man, Moody. And he prayed and he felt, Lord, I need to share with Moody the hope of the gospel. I need to share with this young man the truth of the message of Christ. And he says that he struggled with this for a while until finally he determined, I'm going to go do it. And so he went to where Moody was working that day, and he struggled. Oh, if I go in there and talk to him while he's working, his co-workers are going to begin to tease him. Oh, your Sunday school teacher came to make sure you're a good boy. huh? And he struggled with this kind of thing until finally as he was walking, he was right in front of the store. He said, okay, Lord, I'm here. And so he went in, and Moody was in the back wrapping up shoes. And he went back there, and he says that he placed his hand on the shoulder of Moody. He says, I don't remember the words that I said. All I remember is I just shared with him the great love that Christ had for him and Christ's desire for Moody to love Christ. And that day, in the back room of that shoe store, Dwight L. Moody came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because his Sunday school teacher had a compassion for this young man. The rest is history. Did Kimball have the gift of evangelism? We don't know. Maybe he was just a faithful Christian. But suddenly we look at this and we think, well, does it really matter whether he had the gift of evangelism? And I have people ask me, all the time, well, Pastor, I don't know what my gift is. That's fine. Don't worry about that. You just be faithful to what the Lord puts in front of you. You don't need to have a business card with a listing of your gifts. Be faithful in what the Lord puts before you. And in retrospect, you're going to look back and say, wow, the Lord used me in this way or that way. Rather than struggling with what gift do I have, just be faithful to the Lord. And he may use you in a multitude of gifts. So the faithfulness of you as an individual in the work and the ministry of Christ in you might impact somebody's life who will impact 
hundreds of thousands of lives. The impact that you and I have on people's lives today and this week, we may never know until we reach the other side of eternity. And it may just blow us away. Wow. All I did was offer to help her. All I did was open my home up to them. All I did was share with them a little bit and what God then did with that. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to the website TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regular scheduled tax-deductible gift. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.